Welcome to Arkansas AgCast, your source for the latest news and views in Arkansas agriculture. Arkansas AgCast is produced by the Arkansas Farm Bureau Federation. Welcome to the Arkansas AgCast for May 6th. I'm your host, Rob Anderson. On this week's edition, we sit down for a chat with the recently retired crop, soil, and environmental expert, Dr. Andrew Sharpley, about his distinguished academic career and his experience working on the Discovery Farm program and with Arkansas farmers. We also dig a little deeper into the Arkansas Discovery Farms program with the University of Arkansas's Mike Daniels. First up, Keith Sutton talks with University of Arkansas Extension Soil and Water Conservation Scientist Mike Daniels, who tells us about the Discovery Farms program and the newest Discovery Farm near Newport. Welcome to AgCast. I'm Keith Sutton with Arkansas Farm Bureau. Today, uh, my guest is going to be Dr. Mike Daniels with the University of Arkansas Division of Agriculture Cooperative Extension Service. Mike is... Uh, a soil and water conservationist and director of the Arkansas Discovery Farm Project. Welcome to AgCast, Mike. Thank you, Keith. It's a pleasure to be with you. Well, we always enjoy uh, talking about research that's going on around the state, and certainly a lot of that is happening on our state discovery farms. Let's start by trying to uh, introduce our readers to what a discovery farm is and how these got started here in Arkansas. Yeah, well, first of all, before we get started, there's some key people I'd like to thank or key organizations. And one is Arkansas Farm Bureau. Uh, They actually were very instrumental in getting discovery farms started. And they're a big sponsor and a big uh, uh, important partner of ours in this program. And I'll talk about some of our other partners uh, later, including NRCS, who's sponsored some of our latest Discovery Farms. But Discovery Farm is a is a real uh, working farm. It's a private farm where the farmers have agreed to work with us as a team uh, to document, uh, you, you know, natural resources management and stewardship on their farms. And so we actually go out on the farms and we measure uh, the amount of runoff coming off four fields on that farm. Uh, and then when we measure the runoff, we collect samples with a, a state-of-the-art automated sampler. We send that sample off, and then we can look at the nutrients and sediment being lost in the uh, runoff. And so in that way, we can see the effect, direct effect of agriculture on water quality. But we also look at water use in terms of irrigation use. And now we're starting to look at soil health and also helping farmers uh, document uh, progress towards sustainability for the supply chain. I know uh, we've got what? How many do we have in the state discovery farms? About a dozen, Mike. We have a dozen that are active. We've had some that have retired, and some new ones going in. So we're staying steady at about a dozen right now. And I know uh, from having visited with y'all actually out on some of those farms. Uh, there's a lot of good news coming from from the information we're gathering on those farms. For example, I know uh, one of our board members, Terry Dabbs, and his son Trent, they have a discovery farm down in Arkansas County. And I know some of the figures showed that they've really done a lot toward reducing uh, uh, water use and things like that. Can you speak to that? Oh, absolutely. Uh, They were one of our earliest discovery farms. 
And so far, we have found very, you know, less than 5% of the nutrients lost uh, come from the fertilizer. I mean, in other words, of the fertilizer we apply to those fields that we're monitoring, less than 5% is recovered in the runoff. So they're very efficient with their nutrients. And that, that includes corn, rice, and soybeans. Any of those crops that we've monitored there, uh, losses have been fairly low. And uh, through the use of, uh, of uh, soil moisture meters, and uh, 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 the, the irrigation, the furrow irrigation program, a pipe planter, they've really increased their efficiency in their irrigation. Plus, they have a tailwater recovery ditch, the new reservoir that we also monitor, and we find that uh, th those nutrient levels in that new reservoir and their old reservoir and their tailwater recovery ditches are pretty stable. Uh, they may fluctuate a little bit, but they always come back down to a, a very low level. I know a lot of times people feel like farmers are part of a, a bigger problem than really what is happening. Uh, a lot of our farmers are making huge strides in trying to uh, reduce uh, those things you just talked about and to uh, do a better job taking care of the environment and so forth. And we're seeing a lot of that through our discovery farms. That's exactly right. And I think the, the, the misnomer there is that uh, people feel like uh, farmers apply too much fertilizer or overwater their crops. And, and I don't think they realize uh, the economics of farming. Any nutrients that we're losing out of the field into a waterway is, is, is uh, money that's bought. Uh, that, that it's money. I mean, they have already right. bought those. They lose them. Uh, they've got to replace them. And water... It costs a lot to pump water out of the ground or out of a reservoir. Uh, the higher the energy cost, the higher it is of that water. And so from a profitability standpoint, farmers want to be as efficient as possible. But I think the other thing that people forget is that they're tied to that land. Uh, they may be farming land that's been in their family for generations, and they want to pass it on. And they want to leave it better than what they uh, they received it. So they're very interested in stewardship and conservation and those type of things. It's just that we're dealing with a biological system, and, and uh, it's, it's awfully difficult to be 100% efficient. Well, all of that brings us around to talking about uh, one of the newer discovery farms, uh, the Lacey Farm, which is in Jackson County. I know one of the big things that they're doing to to assist in all these things is uh, planting cover crops and managing wildlife habitat. And so we kind of wanted to put a little focus on the Lacey Farm and hear more about uh, what's going on there. Yes, and this is where a lot of our partners came in, uh, in including the Arkansas Association of Conservation Districts. Uh, NRCS actually funded this grant project, so they're the sponsor, but they were also involved in helping us, as always, uh, deliver our programs. Um, we did shoot a, uh, uh, a virtual field trip at this site uh, that we'll have, we can have, it's, it's, you can find it on our website at uada.edu and uh but we had a lot of partners involved in that and the idea was is when we talk about discovery farms and conservation a lot of times we talk about water soil and water conservation but we also want to preserve wildlife because a lot of hunters derive income from leasing their land for hunting rights 
And uh, that's what Mr. Lacey does, Gay Lacey there at Newport. Well, Gay Lacey is a, is a, uh, a retired farmer, and he's leased his land out. But in the wintertime, he likes to lease his land to duck hunters and deer hunters. And he's also very interested in conservation because he, he realizes the, the better that water quality around his farm, the better attraction to wildlife. And so Dr. Becky Pete got a grant from NRCS, and uh, we selected Dr. Uh, I mean, Mr. Gacy because he, he was interested in wildlife, and he did have a wildlife enterprise. And so what we really wanted to look at was the effect of cover crops on attracting uh, waterfowl and attracting deer and selecting those type of cover crops that would help, and then also look at the soil health aspect of the cover crops and the water quality. Now, we We've uh, got the farm established. We've got the equipment out there, but we've had a, uh, as anytime you do water quality monitoring, flooding can always uh, be an issue. When it floods, it's hard for us to collect accurate information on water quality. And so we've, we've not collected as much data as we want to, but we've got everything set up now and ready to go and hope to collect some data on the effects of the cover crops, uh, both on wildlife attraction and on, on the natural resources. Well, the, the Lacey's, they farm about 4,000 acres, or, or they have a farm of about 4,000 acres right there close to the White River. And as we all know, uh, there's been a lot of flooding in that area the past two it, springs. So It certainly has. And, and uh, you know, we can get our equipment out, but it's expensive equipment. And if there's a threat of flood of going over our levees, our, our field levees, not the, the uh, river levee, but the field levees, that directs all the runoff water to our samplers. Uh, we have to go get it, get them out, and so uh, uh, you know we've had a hard time getting some samples there. But uh, Mr. Lacey is committed to working with us, and uh, uh, is very interested in wildlife. and And we just want to see is can we get the maximum benefit out of our conservation practices, not just from a soil health or a water quality standpoint, but also from a wildlife standpoint. And that's a, a little bit different than what we've been doing on the other discovery farms, right? Absolutely. On the other discovery farms, we've been looking primarily at the benefit of conservation practices on soil and water, two of our most uh, important natural resources for farmers. But uh, uh, wildlife is another important consideration uh, of our farms. We, Our farms, uh, you know, a lot of wildlife, uh, utilize and live on our farms and uh we just feel like uh we've got to look at that a little closer and that was the whole idea of this of this uh, discovery farm was to try to start looking at the connection between uh natural resource conservation and wildlife conservation well and that also allows you i suppose to work with some of our other agencies like the arkansas game and fish commission Forestry Commission, I'm sure they're all involved as well, to, uh, and probably eager to see what kind of information you find. Oh, yes. They all participated in our virtual field trip at the Lacey Farm uh, during this pandemic. And, uh, yeah, they're very interested in what's going on and, and really have been great partners to help guide us on what practices and things and, and uh, cover crops to select and attract certain waterfowl and that sort of thing. So it's, it's been a very good partnership. And that's how we've always wanted it to work, uh, was to get our partners involved in this. Because well, we all work for the same uh, uh, person in the end. We all work for those landowners and those farmers. That's right. And I wanted to emphasize that, that it takes all of these uh, agencies and organizations working together 
to get the biggest benefit from what y'all are doing. But uh, y'all are kind of the lead folks out there, and we always enjoy uh, hearing more about what's going on. Uh, as we look ahead, how do you expect uh, maybe uh, some of the information from the Lacey Farm or the other Discovery Farms might might change a little bit what we're doing out there, or will it? Oh, I think it will. Uh, you know, adoptions always can be kind of slow because, uh, you know, this is new. Cover crops aren't really new to the state, but they're new within the last, uh, you know, before World War II, we, we grew a lot of cover crops. But after that, we became more dependent on commercial fertilizers and pesticides. Right. And we got away from it. And uh, we know that cover crops can do good things for our soils. The problem is it's hard to see those benefits early on. Sometimes it may be three to four years before we see those benefits. But the guys that have gone ahead and, 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 and utilized cover crops for several years are very happy. You know, they're saving maybe an irrigation or two every year on a field. And that adds up on several fields. And so uh, they're getting better infiltration. Uh, those sort of things. I think cover crops will continue to grow in interest as long as we have concerns over uh, herbicide-resistant weeds. Uh, we have concerns over the amount of water that we use, uh, the amount of fertilizer we're having to apply. I think there's a movement in this farm economy by some farmers to, to not be quite as concerned with maximum yield as they are optimum yield. Uh, which is for profitability, the optimum yield for profitability. They may be able with cover crops to reduce some of their inputs um, and save money that way. So uh, it's all about the uh, farm economy. And, and, and uh, But we know soil and water conservation practices are effective uh, in helping us uh, be better stewards of the land. Very much so. I know uh, recently uh, we've actually been working on a TV show that'll be coming out in July on RFD TV, and it's it centers around just what you just explained and how uh, our farmers are utilizing cover crops to to improve soil quality and water quality and so forth. And uh, we're hearing the same thing from those farmers we've talked to that you just said. Uh, I'd like to uh, point people back to that virtual tour as we end our podcast, Mike. If you'll tell them again uh, how to get to your website, and they might look that up and see what's going on at the Lacey Farm and and be able to keep track of our uh, Discovery Farm projects. Yes. Uh, They can get to all of our um, soil and water conservation videos or virtual field trips at uaex.uada.edu all right and the uh when they go there they'll click on farm and ranch and then education under farm and ranch they'll find the virtual field trips and as always there's tons of great information on y'all's website uh, that's where folks should go to learn more about it. And probably if you dig around while you're there and look at some of the other material, you'll find all kind of good things that'll be of use to you. Mike, thank you very much for taking time out today to talk with us. And uh, we'll look forward to visiting with you again sometime in the near future. Well, Keith, it's always my pleasure. And we're just so appreciative of the relationship that we have with Arkansas Farm Bureau that makes these type of programs like Discovery Farm possible.
it works both ways. We appreciate y'all too, Dr. Daniels, and uh, we'll talk to you again soon. Okay, thank you. Next, Ken Moore visits with one of the founders of the Arkansas Discovery Farms program, Dr. Andrew Sharpley, who retired recently as a distinguished professor in the Department of Crop, Soil, and Environmental Sciences for the Arkansas Agricultural Experiment Station. Sharpley is still working on some projects while transitioning to life at his home overlooking Beaver Lake near Rogers. He reflects on his career and his work with farmers across the state. Welcome to AgCast. I'm Ken Moore, and today I have the pleasure, the extreme pleasure, of traveling up to the home of Dr. Andrew sharply just uh, on the outskirts of rogers arkansas up here in benton county on a beautiful day and and dr sharply he's pretty much kind of uh, uh stepping down from his post uh as a distinguished professor in the department of crop soil and environmental sciences for the arkansas agricultural experiment station and has done some outstanding work uh here for the university of arkansas uh, and, and, and Division of Ag over the last, uh, I guess, 15 years here, Dr. Sharpley. So thank you for inviting us and welcoming us to your home. Well, thank you very much, Ken. Uh, good to be, glad you're here. Um, at least you got the right, brought the good weather with you. <laughs> we did that. We've just had some rain, and you had some uh, torrential rain here just a little over a week ago, didn't you? I think we're looking out over, a, over the lake here outside your home, and uh, it's, it's fairly high today. Yeah, it is. The lake's gone up about five or six feet in the last uh, several days. It just um, it really shot up. We had a lot of a lot of runoff, which is uh, kind of interested in us. My area, you can just look out the window and you see water moving where you never thought it would, and that's the way it is. That's the way a lot of work we do. You got to be out there and watch it, watch it running off. But boy, did it it rain pretty hard up here for a while. Uh, Dr. Sharper, we just want to have a visit with you now and let you reflect on your career. Uh, for the benefit of our listeners to, uh, to this edition of AgCast, tell us how you uh, grew up, if you will, over in uh, England, in Manchester, and, and eventually uh, your path, once you uh, got out of school, kind of led you over here to, uh, eventually over here to northwest Arkansas. Yeah. Um, originally, I was from uh, Manchester, England. Uh, which is probably more famous for soccer teams or um, uh, music, but um, it uh, I wasn't from a farming background, but I had some relatives, un- un- uncles, aunts that had um, farms, and we'd go out and visit. Um, but I really wasn't interested in ag. I originally went to university uh, to get a degree in marine biology, which didn't really pan out. That really wasn't... Um, I realized a lot quickly that there was a lot of other people, and it wouldn't be probably a whole lot of opportunities at the end of the day so then I decided um, having taken a course in geomorphology or soil uh, soils basically um, really uh, invigorated by the teacher um, and that just got me hooked in and from there then on I switched to a degree in soils uh, soil science and um, then got to um, an opportunity to work in New Zealand and um, after getting a PhD and in water quality and soil, soil science again, um, came came over to the U.S. and landed in Oklahoma. So um, from that then, I was looking at working with ARS. Worked with ARS for, a, oh, good, over 25 years almost. Um, I was from about 1980 to, to, to 2006. And so um, eventually became a citizen in Muskogee and um, got on permanent with ARS, um, 
and um, was able to work there in, in a place called Durant, Oklahoma. And um, again, it was uh, working there with uh, some good people, uh, great different different outlooks, um, some very basic physics people as well as some outdoors, more applied. And so I learned a lot and worked with different te- different people and really um, benefited from their knowledge and, 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 you know, had the foresight to um, pick up on it or at least, you know, embrace and, and learn, from, learn from it. And one of the learning lessons was um, working with a guy called Sam Smith, who, who was, um, his office was next door to mine, and I'd go in and give, he was my basic, my supervisor, so I'd go give ideas about what um, I wanted to do, and I'd <clears throat> run in there all enthusiastic, I think this is a great a great idea this 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 and this and i'm you know it's really interesting and we should do this and he'd kind of look a little bit think around and then kind of say well interesting's not enough uh why do you want to do it and i just kind of trudge back kind of a little bit dejected and then realize you know why you had to do it was was important and i think that was kind of a uh, really a changing point in, in making the work justifying why you were going to do it. I mean, it, it has become obviously important, more important now with funding and different types of more competitive to justify it. But at that time, it really was a good learning lesson, which I kind of took on. And then um, um, from there, I, I had the opportunity to, to transfer to a, um, ARS in University Park, which is the... Um, on the campus of Penn State, still with a, with ARS, so I had a government position, but I was on campus, and I, I thought I'd um, landed in heaven. Really, I got the best of both worlds: uh, government work, um, which had some security, it had some restrictions, but you you know, graduate students and other students to work with, and um, it was a great environment. Um, and again, teams again, I worked with different people that um, had different ideas that challenged me. Um, wasn't comfortable at times being challenged, but you know, it it eventually sunk in, um, and um, then you know it was getting to be well. You want to keep doing research, or do you want to do administration? And just getting more pushed towards that, and then an opportunity arose here in um, Fayetteville with the university, and um, the rest is this history, so to speak. I came up here interviewed with Milo Schultz, Dr. Schultz at the time, um, and a few other people, and went back and um, lucky enough to get the position and, and work up here, and that was in 2006. And Arkansas is very grateful that uh, your career path led you here because uh, you've become a great friend of the Arkansas farmer and rancher here, and uh, and and then you've made some great relationships, and, and and you said it's all about teams. It's all about working with others, uh, in in the work that you do. Talk about the critical importance of your research, and why in this day and era that we live in, in uh, food production, uh, the type of research that you uh, conduct uh, with your teams is so important uh, to document and provide sound science for what the farmers and ranchers are doing. Yeah, I think I, you know, when I moved here, um, it was probably um, looking back. It was I was in the right place at the right time, and again, it, it's probably been that way in in many ways where I've been. But again, on on the other the other side of that coin is well, you you notice the opportunities and you take make the most of them and and you grab them, and I think that's part of the key. But um, I think coming here. 
I, um, I was able to uh, give enough latitude um, by the administration to give enough rope and I could hang myself or, or not. And obviously I didn't, but I realized pretty quickly that, uh, that um, I had this opportunity. I'd done a lot of basic research. I wanted to be more applied. Um, I had the opportunity to, to you know, meet and, and then start working with Mike Daniels, who's with Extension. So we, we've worked... Uh, along with other people, but you know, it, it's been a good relationship. Um, it's similar to one with in the Discovery Farm program in Wisconsin, where Dennis Frame and Fred Manison were some similar. But that Dennis was an extension, Fred was research, and so it it um, again it, it was a um, um, a good opportunity. But at that time, there was an increasing awareness with uh, the litigation with Oklahoma and Arkansas. Uh, putting farmers at risk. Um, there were a lot of finger pointing. They wanted to have TMDLs. They were looking at watershed management plans, which meant you had to have data. But um, there was there was increasing um, concerns about water quality at that time. The Gulf of Mexico hypoxia was a driver. Um, it's a long way away, but um, EPA started doing some spot checks. But the, the outcome really was that farmers wanted to know more about what was going on on their own um, land, whether they were part of the problem or not. They didn't have that data. And so we, um, I was very fortunate to, to start working with um, different groups, but Farm Bureau was one of those. They opened a lot of doors. Um, we went, we took a, a, a group up, Mike and I, to, to Wisconsin to show them the program. They talk with the farmers up there, the producers, the organizers, and this type of... Um, came back and said, this is something we, we need. Um, and I think it's um, it's been a great opportunity um, I, because farmers, um, what we've learned is they're all good stewards of the land, that they um, they want to do a good job. They want to know that they're doing the right thing, and if they're part of the problem, they want to do something to, to rectify that. And so um, I, I think... You know, it, it's been um, a good, a, a great experience in, in being able to work with, with growers and feel like you're having an impact, um, feel like you're providing something that's rigorous and scientific, um, but also just making those relationships or those, um, I want to say, f- friendships, but um, with, with with those farmers and understanding what they're going through uh, to get a better ba- base or background of your own work, you know, what's what pressures are they going through? You know, a lot of times we do our research, our science, and we say, well, you know, well, farmers should just go out and implement this. But when you talk to farmers and hear what day-to-day they have to do, what constraints, whether it's funding, whether it's time, whether it's labor, whatever it is, it really resonated with me that we've got to make what we do practical and applicable to to what a farmer can or can't do and if we don't when we're wasting our time and so i think that's something else that i think i I, i've really gained from uh this is trying to understand you know that that farmers can and can't do some things and that we need to be relevant in what we we do we can't be just pie in the sky all the time um you know, so I think um, each of these different people were, were um, going up to Wisconsin. Gene Farr came with us. Um, very quiet, but when he speaks, you, you listen. You know, he always 
him and, and others, I think uh, Bill Hart would be another one that would open a statement when you're standing there and they're going to ask you a question, maybe one of the leadership meetings. Um, I'm just a damn farmer, but, 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 and then you, you realize you just got to keep, you got to keep, be careful now because you know you're going to get a really intelligent question, you know, um, uh, and that, again, it, it's just something that's, it's uh, it, it's great that um, this is um, humbleness, I think, in a way, um, with them, but they they're thinking two or three times steps ahead of you at times, and we've seen where they're they're ahead of us, but they just need the data to show that it's ahead of our research. Um, again, Gene would sit in you know, waiting, remember waiting in the airport to come back, and he'd be sitting over by himself in a seat reading the uh, Financial Times, um, and it just struck you that these are just very diverse backgrounds, very um, uh, knowledgeable, but don't really... Um, it, it's hidden, and, and that's, that's great, but it's, it's, um, it, it helps you realize um, that you, I think... Well, it doesn't help you realize... Being able to do that means you're working with real people, not just a, a farm or a farmer. Mm-hmm. And I think that's really been a, a, a you know benefit to me. And Bill Hawk, I know his dairy farm uh, right up here, not far from not far from where we are right now. They uh, want to make sure they protect those watersheds, don't they? Yeah, they do. They do. Um, he now has a. I think he has a new farm up on in Gentry. So he's, he uh, he has a farm now um, there. He's ex- increased his herd size. He's got um, uh, he's trying to do some rotational grazing, and so we're helping him with that. Not just um, through discovery, but uh, other people in the university that are, are coming up with ideas um, to do that in the ag e- economics departments. And so he's very um, progressive, I think, at l- listening to people. Um, and then doing what he thinks is right, um, but you know, again, there's a little difference between people, and that's that's great. Um, um, Bill calls a spade a spade, and you know, you've got to be you've got to be on on your game when you when you're around Bill or, or these other people. That if you start to think that you're trying to fob or um, um, brush aside something, they're going to let you know pretty quickly, and so it's it's. I think a lot of it is this credibility and integrity in maintaining that and, um, you know, working to try and provide them with, with answers. In the culture that we're living in today, and it's, it's, we've always needed to be good environmental stewards, and our farmers and ranchers have been, but uh, uh, to provide the proof, the evidence, the, the verifiable data, I guess, and I called it sound science earlier, we've used that term a lot through the years that's what you can do and provide through your research. But these farmers are willingly now participating in the Discovery Farm Program. And that allows them to have that data that they didn't have before. We implemented this program a number of years ago. Share the story, if you will, about uh, the Marley Poultry Farm up here outside of Elkins. And how, because he's in the, I believe, correct me if I'm wrong, the White River uh, watershed there. Or potentially part of the, the runoff could flow into the, the White River uh and he needed to have a discovery farm on his uh, a poultry farm. 
Yeah, um, Bill's a good example. I mean, sorry, um, Jeff is a good example. Jeff Marley and the, the whole family. Um, they've um, we've had uh, one of the one of his couple of his daughters worked in the university, or took, got degrees, and they've helped us with some some of the type of work that you're doing with um, um, doing virtual videos of, of all of the farmers. And so um, Jeff's been always very cooperative, but he he's on a pretty well travelled road, Highway 16, which goes out to the pig trail. It's um, east of Elkins. Um, and um, he's very visible, um, and he knows that um, people are going to, uh, if they see something that they don't like, um, whether it's right or wrong, they're going to let somebody else know, and it, it happens It happens all the time. So he, he wants to be a good steward. He wants to be a good... Uh, uh, he wants to represent the, the poultry farmers well because he's so visible from from the road he's got 10 10 houses um he wanted to um we were led on to him by um johnny gonzalez as an extension and steve hignite who was with it was with farm bureau um they said you, you should go out and talk to jeff um and we went out and talked to jeff and you know mike you know mike daniels probably he's he's pretty talkative um but jeff can out talk <laughs> you know people but you, you gotta listen he's he's um he knows what he's doing. He's, uh, we go out there, you see, and people are we're taking trips out there, and they'll say, those are the best-looking cows. They're, they're always looking. Uh, they got glossy. They're um, well-fed. well, well fed and, um, But so he, he's doing it right. I mean, so it, he, he's very unassuming, but he does um, um, make sure that what he's doing is, is right. Do you want so he, he he's um, make sure that it, you know he wants to know what he was do, what he's doing at the time. EPA we're doing some spot checks, so looking at water water runoff from around poultry houses. Was it a problem or not in the Chesapeake Bay? They said it was, and I think there was a a, a lawsuit at the time. Um, and they call it a fan and feathers problem. And, and Tyson were very concerned about you know what's going to happen. Anyway, that led to some. Well, is it a problem or not on, on my farm? This was Jeff, and we set up some equipment, put some um, monitoring there. We had some funds from ANRC at the time to start up the discovery program. He was one of our first. Put up the monitoring equipment. It collects rain whenever it happens. Collects runoff, and then we get the samples and collect the analysis. And so he wanted to know what the runoff was. The one one of them was going. Some of it was going into a pond, and we want to see what's going in and what's coming out of that pond. One of them was going onto a pasture, which, like you say, was going into the white, which goes into Beaver uh, Lake, which is a drinking water source for, I think it's probably well over a half a million people now. Um, and so he was very um, concerned about, in, you know, that too. Um, we're out there doing the equipment, getting laser leveling it, to get, make sure the grade was where we put our equipment wasn't disturbed and get it just right. So um, this grass waterway would work and trap nutrients, we thought. Um, and he, you know, comes watching us. He just shakes his head, gets his tractor, does it without a land laser, and it's perfect to a quarter of an inch. And so you learn that um, farmers have a um, innate understanding of what's happening on their farm um, and you listen to them uh, and learn from them I think that's what we've Mike and I have really g gained from from this 
this discovery program. But there, uh, that pond traps, you know, 50, 60, 80 percent at times, depends on what the weather, that was dry year, wet year. And that grass waterway also does about the same. Um, when it rains really heavy, they're not very effective. But then nothing's going to be effective when we have, you know, huge, as we get more frequently, uh, these really intense storms. It's not annually, not a whole lot more rain, but it just comes two or three major events and so they're not going to always work but what it showed was as um, you know they're they're effective the value of what we were able to do there we know what the pond you know the pond was already there because he 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 dug a pond or dug a hole to build up the pads for his poultry houses to get them out of the floodplain of the white river and that created this pond and so the grass waterway again was already there he fenced the cattle out for us um, so there would be no other confounding factors and looking at what's going in, coming out. Um, and so we know what's got cost. You know, it didn't cost that much. We know how much it might cost him to fence cattle out, to cut the hay. Um, and so we know the cost effectiveness of some of these practices. And that was critical, I think, in moving forward to help, you know, other farmers decide, you know, how much is it going to cost me if I do this? Um, it also helps NRCS if they want to cost share with these programs. They don't. They don't, won't cost share until they've got data to show that it works too. And so, I think in the long run, we'll provide information to NRCS that will help them maybe um, adopt a practice as a conservation practice that would then be uh, eligible maybe for for cost sharing under certain conditions. And so, um, you know, that's been one of the values. The other value is getting uh, people out to take tours, all sorts of tours, uh, sustainability, Walmart sustainability group being out there, uh, City of Fayetteville, different groups have been out there, um, a number of people that go in the chicken houses, usually, obviously, always when there's no chickens in there, um, that have come away saying, I didn't know that's how, how it was. I thought, you know, that, they were all in this small little anyway it's the point is they learned really what was going on on the farm what his pressures were what it, what he had to what he had to work with um that they had a totally different view when they've been out there but the reality is from what they hear or read in the paper and so i think that was that's something i think jeff has really um he saw firsthand, and I think he is, he's made the most of that, and he, he enjoys doing that, ed, educating. Uh, you're not going to, you know, change everybody, but you know, there's always one or two, three people that will come away and say, "I didn't know this. This is what he did. Um, I didn't know this is how, you know, how how it happened." Um, and so I think it's that's always I think the same with each of the farms we're, we're on. No question, and you've been able to host. You mentioned the, some of the tours over the years. Uh, some of the uh, officials uh, that, that live and work in Washington, you know, within USDA or EPA, uh, the regulatory agencies, they've been able to get out to our Arkansas farms. Uh, and, and to your point, they actually get out of their offices in the Beltway and learn what these farmers are doing and, and see that verifiable evidence. Sure, yeah. We've had um, quite a few different ones. We had the local ones, um, lo- locally uh, senators at, um, here. Um, that um, take bring out their aides, and you know it's it's good to you know have the have those senators and congressmen out there, but the aides are also very important in educating them too, because some of them are 
Uh, I know when I worked in the Chesapeake, um, they uh, don't always um, know what's what's on, on farming, although they're looking at l agricultural um, issues or working on agricultural issues. Maybe it's even legislation, and so they. Um, you know, memory comes back to one that we were working with a farmer, dairy farmer down there, and they um, we brought a couple of people out, came out, there were aides, um, and one person you know, were looking at the, these cows in, the, in a pasture, and they came up to the fence kind of nosing, and um, one of them uh, was a little bit hesitant, and said, will it bite? And, and we were just... Again, it was one of those things that just... At the time, we thought, oh my God, gosh, is that... Did they say that? And then you realise the, the thing that sits, it hits home is that some, and it's no fault of their own, you know, but they haven't been on a farm to see what goes on, but they are important in that process. And so I think, you know, yeah, we've had those types of tours. We've had people uh, come out from, from D.C. We've had um, NRCS chief. We've had EPA um chief of water um and so we've had people that make decisions um about or have impact or um on farming legislation or environmental legislation come out and talk to our farmers and i think you know we've been able to foster that but i think the farmers have embraced doing that because they get heard um, you know, we'll do it. We'll kind of turn a blind eye sometimes. Oh, we'll just turn around and shake our heads when the farmer just has a go at some of these people from D.C. because they want to be heard and they have a gripe and they, um, you know, rightly, rightly so, and they want to just take that opportunity. And so I think it's, you know, it, it works both ways. They need to hear that. Um, and I think that's been part of uh, the benefit of, of working here in, in, in Arkansas is um, being able to work with farmers um, being able to do applied research, being able to apply the knowledge I gained from from within ARS or from my career, but actually um, feel like I'm having an impact or, or um, ha had an impact and um, seeing some of the benefits and some of the changes in people's minds. The Discovery Farm program started, uh, I think you said, with an initial, uh, an original four farmers, uh, four farms, uh, stakeholders, how large has it grown now? I know Mike Daniels is continuing to uh, introduce uh, and, and, and get some new uh, farming types of farming operations involved. It was poultry. It was row crop. But uh, what's the future of Discovery Farm, do you think? Um, I think, well, I think the, the future is rosy, I would like to think. Um, we've got some good people that are working on it, and hopefully there will be some new faculty that come on board that want to see this as a good program that they can take on and do the work, you know, what I was doing. But, I, you know, it's going to go on. Um, I think, the, the, you know, there's so much support now from the farming community, from Farm Bureau, that I, I think it's created a, a certain amount of impetus that it, it, it's got to. It's got to. I, that's my wishful thinking, that, it, it's, that there's enough support from the farmers. They don't want to see it go away. Um, like like you said, yeah, four farms. Evan Teague was the one that said, yeah, well, we need. He helped us. He came knocking on doors. Water districts. He'd set up meetings for us, and we go. And every a lot of people with Tyson, George's, the poultry integrators. Um, um, it was a lot of. Yeah, that's a great program. 
Um, but when they start to talk about money, then you know the butts, and nobody really wanted to be the first to put you know the foot in the in it. And so um, it was. There was a lot of for two or three years. It was a lot of work trying to get that um, initial uh, off the ground. ANRC did give us some money. We got some infrastructure. That was the, that was the main, I think, impetus to get it going. The division of ag supports one technician, um, uh, but I think you know the future will be. Um, it, I think it, it's Rosa. We have now like fourteen farms. We've branched out from just being livestock in the north, the row crop in the south. We've got one farm that's look, basically looking at soil health um, uh, opportunities. Um, we've got a uh, orchard peach orchard farmer that's looking at improved irrigation um, um, they have concerns about obviously about the water quality that's using in irrigation because of the food that you know because of the produce they, uh, they're a pick and is a pick your own farm mm-hmm. um, but that's um, that's a new one of the new ones and so you see, it's been it's, it's very diverse, and so um, I think that's again one of the hallmarks uh, that sets us apart from the other states. Have got this type of program. Um, it was basically dairy driven in in in, um, in Wisconsin. The other big one is in Minnesota, and that's basically soybean. And, and you know they've got programs whether soybean um, commodities or whether it's the dairy industry that's providing other states providing funding permanent funding in arkansas we've been having to go with you know grants and that's not a not whinging about that but that's the way it is but we've had um we've had good support from from farm bureau and from um other commodity groups for the program so i think it's it's um it's very diverse and that's one of the benefits we've got very diverse farms in our program um but that, you know, is a challenge in, in a way. But at least we've got a lot of different now faculty from the university and from Extension, from uh, other groups like yourself, working as a group, as a team, to be better than any one person. And I think, that, you know, it's going to be... Um, I'd like to think it's going to be around for a while. I don't see it going away because of the need for sustainability, whether it's, 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 whether it's cover crops, whether it's um, soil health, whether it's environmental quality, whether it's uh, groundwater depletion. Um, there's always going to be issues which hopefully the, the Discovery Farm can stay abreast of and continue to meet those challenges for the farmers. What's the future for Andrew Sharpley now? going forward for yourself uh you've got a beautiful place up here uh we don't want to lose touch with you well um i guess i'm i'm almost retired i'm not quite i mean i've still got programs going i mean i'm being a little bit more selective um try to be selective in what i do um i'm very fortunate to to you know be here after i moved here um about six years ago um met sarah who's from jonesboro and so, you know, we got married here a few years back. Um, she kept me grounded. Um, she kept me real in times where, you know, um, Big Creek gets a little bit down, gets you on top of you of, of uh, questioning or um, uh, a little bit despondent at times. But she's been great support. And, um, and so life's good um you know i, I don't have any regrets i don't have I can't, this thing you could say um i don't 
I'm very fortunate to be you know, got paid to do what I do, and you know, uh, there's no coulda, shoulda, but didn't in in my looking back. And so, I mean, I'm really, really fortunate to have that support, whether it's Sarah, whether it's people I've worked with, um, to be able to say that. And a lot of not everybody can say that, and I've been very fortunate. Um, so, what's on the um, on the agenda? I think uh, travel. Um, that's um, I know something that Sarah was mentioning. Um, you know, we both want to do that. I want to. I've got relatives um, in England. Some mother's still there, so I want to go see her when we can. Uh, you know, when we when this when things start to open up, uh, we want to travel more around the U.S. So we. Um, I want to enjoy. You know what the fruits of our labor, so to speak. So I guess you know don't want to lose touch with friends and but um it's nice sometimes to wake up and you want well what day is it you know you know it's not loss of memory it's just that it's that retirement gets you that uh, you know um you get to um know what's important um work was important but it you know it, it it's led to where we are now but um you know fortunate but um you know beyond that um uh, i'm not sure but um just traveling enjoying uh, enjoying the lake and you know gold fishing um, and um, stay in touch with colleagues and friends well you've become a wonderful friend of the Arkansas farmer and rancher and certainly uh, Arkansas Farm Bureau and uh, uh, it will be very very difficult to fill your shoes here with the research station and the division of agriculture we appreciate all you've done on our behalf Dr. Sharpley to uh, conduct the research you have to uh, to work with our farmers and ranchers who are so important well thank you ken i know you've um, highlighted uh, many times you've um, helped us promote uh, to promote it you opened doors um you got me i guess there's a picture somewhere you got me standing in a creek in fayetteville with waders that didn't fit there were two three sizes too small <laughs> with a suit and tie on yeah uh just to be different and it worked uh, so you got um you got me to do some, do some things i didn't think i would do <laughs> I, I think i had a glass uh, water or something a jug of water i was pouring into it i was hoping it was some sort of liquor but i don't <laughs> not on university property right not on university right. property and it was a little early in the day but um those types of things you know uh have really been supportive of um both mike and i in promoting um, in ways that we couldn't do. And so we appreciate that. So thank you very much. Thank you, Dr. Sharpley. We've been speaking and visiting today uh, on his beautiful deck over here, looking Beaver Lake up here outside of Rogers uh, with Dr. Andrew Sharpley, uh, semi-retired, as he says, distinguished professor in the Department of Crop, Soil, and Environmental Sciences for University of Arkansas's uh, Agricultural Research Experiment Station. Dr. Sharpley, thanks again. Well, thank you, Ken. That's it for this week's Arkansas AgCast. Join us again next Thursday for more news and views on Arkansas agriculture.